really kind of lit up the spirit of adventure in me for to do something a bit more out there i suppose but okay, like the risk of failure i like, like an adventure what's the, what's the phrase an adventure without risk is no adventure at all like mm. you have to have the kind of the risk of it absolutely going totally wrong yeah well you just, yeah all that's a holiday um which is fine <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Gotta Run Racing Podcast with your hosts, Norman and Jody. Discover the inspiring stories of the average and not so average runners. And they're off. Hello, hello. Hey, everyone. We are back with another Gotta Run Podcast. All right. We just finished the Lost Treasure Trail race. That's right. We had that on the weekend, and the rain was in the forecast like a lot of rain. But we paid to Mother Nature to say, come back another day. That's right. It stopped raining literally an hour before the race started. And Mansfield has so much sand. There was no mud. No. I didn't see any mud on anyone. And it did rain hard the night before. So that Mansfield is the place to be rain or shine. Yes, absolutely. And it was actually comfortable running weather. Which is great. And our 25 cares got to do three laps, which I know was challenging. <laughs> yes. <laughs> However, like we explained to them, would you rather be out on a 25K loop all by yourself for most of the day or... Would you rather run into other runners in the 5 and 10K? And come in and out of the start line where the music and the party is. Where your friends and family are waiting. Yeah. So <laughs> I think they preferred the latter. Absolutely. Yeah. But next up is Fiddle 50. In a few short days, we're looking forward to that one. Got a few people lined up to do the long distance, and then we got a nice crew out for the Town Fitness 10K. Can't wait. Exciting times coming up. Sure is. And who's on the podcast today? Well, today we have Robbie Britton from Britain, uh, (laughs) currently living in Italy. Robbie recently broke the 41-year-old British record for the 24 hour with 277 kilometers. Mm-hmm. So we're going to get into that. He also has run across a few countries, including the Jordan Trail, which is 650K going from north to south in a record with his friend Dan Lawson in 2019. Nine days, 10 hours. <laughs> and actually, the record was then broken in 2020, but we'll get into that. He is a coach. Uh, he helped pace American Hayden Hawks to a second place finish at Western States in 2022. Last year, wow. Yeah. And he's a coach for Centurion Running in the UK. And he's an author. Hmm. He wrote the book 1001 Running Tips, The Essential Runner's Guide. <laughs> so we have a lot to talk about. Yeah, he's he's done a lot. Well, let's get into it. Here's Robbie coming up. Hey, Robbie. Welcome to the podcast, and big congrats on your 24-hour British new record, 277K. <laughs> yeah, I was really pleased with that. It took a, it took, it took a, a, quite a few years to get to that point, and uh, yeah, very happy to have run a very long way in a day. <laughs> well, the news just reached Canada, because this happened in February, right? <laughs> and we just got the news, so, so you still must be buzzing. <laughs> Yeah, no, I better have a word with Dave Proctor. I, he's he's my Canadian kind of like he's my man in Canada. He should have let you guys know. Oh, what's that about, Dave? Yeah, what's up, Dave? Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> now this record was forty-one years ago, right? That the the one that you just broke. 
And it took someone who wasn't even born yet <laughs> to decide to become a runner, train, and beat this record. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I spoke to David. When David Dowdle set that record back in 81, 82, he, it was a world record back then. And like after I, I broke it, I, I I called him up. He's in a nursing home in, not far from the track he set wow. the record in. And I had a good I like, chat to him and felt a bit, I, I thought someone might have told him that the news didn't reach Dave until after I called him. And I was like, <laughs> oh, it feels like I'm boasting. I just wanted to say thanks for setting a great mark. And then it turns out I was calling out to be like, ah, I've got your record. <laughs> <laughs> so but, yeah. I, I assume he was happy for you in some respects. Yeah, he seems. He said it. He said I thought it would go a long time. I didn't think it'd last this long. And then after about five minutes, he said his dinner was ready, so he had to go. So, oh, uh... <laughs> oh my! How old is he now? Uh, he's well into his seventies, I think. I could check, check that. Yeah, he's he's a bit older, but but he's yeah, he's still going. He's just still still concerned with dinner, which is a very key ultra running trait. <laughs> but he, like he said. When he ran it, he, like obviously he had less, like the shoe tech has definitely helped in the last few years and our nutrition science and training science. He was a better quality runner than I, and he had a, I still think that, like I, I have to, I think I have to go further to uh, to outweigh the balance of the extra science we have on our side. So like, <laughs> I'm going to work on that. But uh, I think like Davis was still probably, from being generous to myself, we're still level pegging, I reckon. It's only, it's only 3K further. <laughs> that's true over the years there must have been other people trying to break this record what do you think it took so long it's i think a big part of with 24-hour races is people underestimating how hard it is like a mat like and i've seen yeah a lot of people trying to break that record in the first six the first 12 the first 18 hours of, of a race is achievable like people look at it and go i can run that pace for, mm. and it's that last six often or the second like the last 10 hours that really catch people out and like a lot of people do the maths on it and they go, it's only, it's only eight minute miles. <laughs> eight, 11 a mile, I can do that. Yeah, that's just jogging. And <laughs> I think, yeah, like people have tried, but we, we just haven't quite got as close. We, like I've tried before, mm. um, took, me, took me three cracks in 12 months. But like uh, one of my athletes that I coached, Dan Lawson, he, he ran 273 last year. So he got close at the European champs. Mm. Um, so we've got like we've got one of the strongest 24 hour squads in in the world in terms of like we've got we have six guys who've all run over 260k wow so not many teams have got that kind of so we've got like we're, we're working together and we're pushing each other so i think that's one of the reasons it took a while is because we all gained momentum and, and yeah we i'm getting pushed by the guys who i'm seeing like i'm i'm, I'm part of the management for our 24 hour team so like in the last five years i've been watching them go to the ground learning from what they do learning from them how they race and kind of all working together to try and get there so yeah just it took a team effort to get anywhere near david's <laughs> as it usually does just to put it the context in kilometers basically you're running about a five and change per k mm. right which is about a 330 marathon and then you add another 20 and a half hours on top of that is, is that basically it yeah just add a bit of eating and drinking in <laughs> uh, and then, then you're there it's just <laughs> ticking over like, like it's my big 24-hour breakthrough came in 2015 in a in a park in Turin at the world champs and that's where I met Dave Proctor the first time actually mm. as well and we ran together he did really well and, and we both had a great day there and then I this is the same park that I went back to in oh. in Turin the same race and yeah, it, like it's 
having to having to kind of work on my nutrition work on my hydration like i've got a really good team around me like it all went into like into making it happen so like it's like i know i said but like a joke around me being a team effort with the other athletes pushing each other but like on on the actual record i wouldn't have better do it without my wife natalie was there and, and jamie and sarah sarah jane pew that two of my friends that were there to support me and and my mum was there just kind of Aww. making happen havoc and, and and my coach tom and like we all like work together to, to get there and like you literally can't do your 24 hours without a team around you you just can't like you're stopping to to pick up your snacks every two minutes or trying to worry about the the, the timing broke for like the first three hours and then we it broke towards the end because they weren't expecting anyone to do that many laps <laughs> they were like oh yeah the system's only set for 250 laps and so well, <laughs> well, am i supposed to stop like i want to keep going <laughs> how how long is the lap? How long is the one loop? It was just one okay. It was one thousand and thirteen meters. Oh okay. so just over, but then when you do two hundred and fifty of them, that adds up quite a bit, the thirteen meters. You end up getting an extra ooh, like five hundred meters or so. I think it was one thousand or oh, one thousand thirty. It was just over a K. Got it. Okay. The laps were like I think I ended up doing 270 or 260 laps, but then every all of those little extra K, little extra meters added up each time. So we're race directors as well, and our the next race that we have coming up is on a 1K loop, and nice. we've advertised it to use it as a training run for your next ultra because we're your aid station, we're your cheerleaders. You don't have to carry anything. You don't have to. You can run yeah. naked. <laughs> so, but we're having people really struggling with that wrapping their head around that so do you have any advice for people that want to try a challenge like on a 1k loop is there any advice you can say to it's all i think it's all mental at that point <laughs> mental to show up how long's the race in terms of time you could go as long as you well we have up to 100 miles yeah so okay. 30 hours 30 hours yeah like i guess for any kind of any loops course i try and break it down into each like i make sure i do each lap well I focus on the lap. It's like for me, it's a form of like mindfulness. I'm like, it's, it's kind of zoning and what I'm doing this lap. I worry about this lap. I worry about eat what I need to eat this lap or this or this hour, however you like to break it down. And I'll get that right. And then I worry about the next hour. Uh, and so, like, I lap my watch every hour um, in Chirin and just kind of went like, that's that hour done. That's mm -hmm. gone to the, whether that was a good hour or a bad hour, it's done. It's gone. I come on to the next one and I'm going to make this hour as good as I can make it relative to what's going on. Yeah, I, I like it. that's the one thing I would advise people from a from a psychological point of view, and and then from an organisational point of view, you do as much as you can beforehand. You like you can do you can prepare so much, and your plan might go out in the window after lap four, but hopefully longer than that. But like like your plan will eventually go out the window, need adapting. But plan you can plan for that as well. So you could, like I have people to say you were uncrewed, right? If you've got a crew, great. Write down like I've got little spreadsheets that I use, and, and be organised. If yeah. you haven't put a little bag for the first hour for the second hour for the third hour so you can when your brain starts getting a bit tired you can make those decisions easier and then have a have a setup for like all right when i go off my flapjacks because no one eats flapjacks after six hours um <laughs> i can i've got these alternatives these are my favorite jelly sweets so are oh, there there they're ready and kind of preempt the mistakes or the the, the adaptations that you're going to need to make over yeah. the course of that is that uh, that's what for a loop because you can and if you've got like five bags of sweets you didn't use at the end of the race you haven't had to carry them they're just sat there you can eat them the day after um, exactly exactly good advice good advice <laughs> well records are made to be broken i hope your record lasts a long time but i have a rule about 
records being broken is that no one should touch it until at least six months, right? <laughs> you don't want your record to be broken next month. <laughs> so like, I, this is a, one of the things I wasn't expecting was like after, so someone tried to break it in Australia and a, a, a British runner based in Australia, like he, t- he was trying to qualify for our, for, qualify for our 24 hour team, which is fine. Like I, that's, that's good. And then he told our team manager, he didn't tell me this. He said, I'm going to go for Robbie's record. It's like brilliant. Cause he's, I think he's done some long stuff before. And I normally I would look at this and I'd be like, they're going to slow down. But I was extra worried. Like, it, I was like, <laughs> oh, that, that's my record. Like, no, I was worried beforehand <laughs> that someone might break it before me. And but that was like, wasn't too bad. And then now I'm worried that someone might take it. But like, so if you look at the list of current runners, the second in our British, like the second strongest, the third, str- third strongest and the fifth or sixth strongest, I coach. So I could free the other five guys. Like it's on me. Like if one of those guys breaks it, or even the other two that I don't coach, like the the coach of the other two, I used to coach as well. So it's all like we're all kind of linked in. And like if if one of those guys breaks it, then I'm doing a good job, and it's my own. Fault. <laughs> yeah. or like it's or, or, or it's one of my teammates, and I'm happy that my teammate is is. So like if I have my best day and they have their best day, and it's better. Well, then I've got to live with that. And if it happens in the World Champs in December, we'll, well, darn sure make, like, I'll make sure that that means that we get a team gold. Yeah. So, yeah, you're going to have to go a long <laughs> way to, to do better than me, but I'm there to help you do it. Right. So, yeah, I'm trying to take. <laughs> well, it's a win-win because if someone breaks your record and you're coaching them, that's, yeah. you put that on your resume. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You broke it again. You broke it again. <laughs> I'm going to break it again. I, you, I, I don't, I'm quite confident. That in the future, it's it can go. I can go further anyway. So yeah, oh, it's not okay. going to last a long time because either what one of our current stock or myself will break it again. <laughs> nice. I hope you've been quite an adventurer, having crossed uh, a couple of countries: Iceland, Bulgaria, and of course Jordan. your Jordan Trail. Have you always been an adventurer, even as a little kid? Yeah, so I'm from London. So like the adventures in London it mainly involved running around in forests and I know running away from the fire brigade or just like naughty things in a smaller, <laughs> more urban environment. So it wasn't until I was like 17, 18 that I, I did a school trip to Scottish islands and and started seeing a bit more of the grand outdoors. Mm. And yeah, like I've always like I've always enjoyed like challenge and pushing myself and, and geography at school was my, my my it was a subject that really got me like it, it ticked my it kind of caught my imagination and i ended up studying geography at university geography and archaeology so like basically wanted to be indiana jones at some point and then kind of going down that path and getting it yes yeah, so the outdoors has been ma- a massive part of my life since since maybe 17 18 before that i played a lot of team sports and different sports like that and i was always energetic and always kind of up for a little adventure but those were i mean with a fishing rod or kind of just little different adventures but yes like I, I just love maps as well like I, I it's, it's it's there's something special about kind of going into a new region looking at a map and kind of plotting a route out and, and exploring so I said the short answer is yes I've, I've, always, I've been quite adventurous for a while and it just takes different forms whether it be on a bike I've I've sailed across the Atlantic on a boat and stuff like that like those are little bits and bobs that just like what's the worst that can happen you know, as see let's have a go <laughs> well that would explain why you wanted to take on the Jordan Trail with Indiana Jones's connection to Petra. <laughs> I don't like to use the word like I have. There's a saying from like a 1930s expedition book. Is 
they go it's this guy called Marty Lindsay they're going off to the uh, to Greenland as part of like Juno Watkins's expeditions and he's he says like he's on the boat on the way over and they're like they're on this boat and he says to his mate his mate's like oh this is amazing he says no one must not exhaust one's superlatives too early in an expedition <laughs> and like Jordan has been the, the truest sign of that. I was there with my, my mate Dan Lawson. We had Dave Mac, Dave McFarland, and James Vincent as our film crew. And like the first couple of days, they're like, wow, this is amazing. And I just I had to keep saying, Tranquilo, like, wait. <laughs> because I know what's coming. We know what's coming. Like, in the, like and it's like there were some breathtaking moments in the in the first half, like the first slot canyon we got into, and it was wow, and like the views and the people were fantastic, but then then you get to Petra and you're just like, what? It just takes your breath away. And like the word amazing, the word is often used and thrown around. And then you, see, you say, are you genuinely amazed by what you've just seen? And, and I was like, it was mm. just absolutely breathtaking. And then we got to Wadi Rum. And between that was this other slot canyon that we spent like 30K in, which I was kind of like, and it went like hundreds of meters up wow. and you're in this kind of, five six meter wide thing and dan's just like wandering off like he's loving it i'm constantly worried about flash floods looking for the nearest ledge <laughs> in case and and it's just yeah like it was just us it was like petra was busy we went through there at the early hours of the morning you know, so it still was really quiet but the, the, i think it was the wadi al alamein or something like that and it's just us there for the whole day wow it, absolutely kind of breathtaking environment so yeah like, like my the adventure the arc the archaeology the geography it was all there in one and i was getting to run around it with a friend while someone took pictures of me and made a video which is like all my favorite things <laughs> well we're going to post the link to the video because it's very well done yeah the video called lost dogs and englishmen right <laughs> but it's not on youtube you it's only on your website it's only right? on Vimeo. It's on Vimeo. Dave yeah, is our, our video guy. He's, he's, he's on Vimeo, which is the the thinking man's YouTube, I feel. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The Jordan video that I did watch, it must have been frustrating to constantly get lost not knowing where the trail is because you're losing so much time finding this thing. Explain that to us, please. Well, so like the Jordan Trail is a reasonably new concept. Like it, it's not, it's, an, it's been, it's been around a, f a few years, but it, it wasn't so like for me a trail is often like a path that's been trodden for for hundreds of years or like in the uk a trail is quite established so when you're on it you're on it and you know you're on it and you kind of you're not constantly thinking am i on it whereas the, the jordan trail felt more like a gpx line or track down the length of the country that, that kind of connected some some trails mm. but at other times it was just like well yeah it's that way and mm -hmm. like people had built buildings or there wasn't a natural kind of flow to the lat like it, like it, there was no single track it was just like just scree or just kind of like you couldn't spot the trails dan dan uh is not the best navigator so i was doing a lot of the navigation um using a handheld device the whole time whilst trying to remember to eat and keep up with a man who's unaffected by the heat and uh <laughs> yeah like you couldn't switch off that was the worst bit about it like we we had enough wiggle room of the record that we weren't like the record beforehand was 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 good, but they'd had a couple of days off in the middle, which mm. gives us an extra couple of days of running. And so, like, we we weren't too worried. In, like, if we were closer, because Amy Sproston went and broke the record, so like, if we were going back to try and reclaim this record, um, we would have to work a bit harder. Mm. And and I'm frustrated by the navigation side of it, but it was it was a big holiday element to it. It was doing something with friends that we enjoyed that was physically challenging, but not to the extent that we were going to get annoyed by the nav we were kind of funny that we were in bushes and every now and again 
like one of the nights we got like really caught out by the um the, the terrain and like it was dropping down into one of the big wadis and you just couldn't fight there wasn't a trail it was just kind of like a set scree but if you took the wrong bend and you kind of there was big some pretty sheer drops they do some good sheer drops out there so yeah it was it was real kind of difficult to i don't know, like on a trail you can switch off and follow it especially going downhill and then you have to put your brain into gear when there's a couple there's a junction because this yeah. was constantly making sure you were on the line right. and there was like one or two bits where you were like, oh it's just we got to a road at one point and me and dan are we are road runners kind of at the like, that's, that's what we we're best at that and mm-hmm. uh yeah that was that did feel I don't think you've ever seen two ultra runners so happy to see a bit of road. <laughs> there are 10 kilometers in that hour. Did we? Oh, brilliant. Let's do another one. I know, no, another four kilometer hour. Okay. <laughs> now, one of the highlights of that story was meeting the dog. At what point did you meet the dog and how many kilometers did she run with you? Petra, the dog. <laughs> yeah, we, we met Petra in Petra. There was a, quite a few stray dogs in Petra like with the tourists feeding them and like at first it was quite funny this dog was followed one followed us for a bit and they got scared off and then petra the dog that followed us ended up following us for about 50k that mm. day kept trying to get her to go back but by the end of the day we realized we weren't somewhere we could leave her because she relied on that tourist trade to get her food if we left her there she was we were in the middle of nowhere i think we we're camping out that night we were wild camping so we wild camped with petra next to the tent she just slept next to the tent and the next day she did another like 50 60k and then jumped in the back of the truck the, we had a <laughs> tourist board that gave us a, a truck and a driver and mm. uh, he was too keen on the dog being in his truck get <laughs> <laughs> rid of it we were like Mohammed, come on here it comes it's like he it was in the back of the truck and my wife natalie had turned up at this point and she's we, like we both love dogs so we were like petra was with us to the end and she'd run a bit and then we put in the truck because it was desert and it was quite hot and then we would run a bit more of us and and there's some really nice pictures a really lovely one of us uh nats dan and i kind of running off and petra just like leaping at the background so yeah well she looked pretty happy when you guys were finished and you ended up finding her a new family to live with which is really nice too yeah yeah there was (laughs) there were refugees living on the beach that so like and they they ended up kind of asking if they could keep her and then they took us into their little like a tent home and then they were like oh we'll give you some cups of tea in return i'm like no if you want to look after the dog but like the kid it was a a man and a child and and the child kind of like was really taken by the dog and yeah they just end up saying oh yeah can we keep him we're like, yeah and it was like a gift so they were like well, we've got to give you some tea so it's kind of a really surreal moment where we were yeah they didn't have much but they were kind of they were sharing what they got and it's like that's the kind of people you want yeah the dog right yeah exactly it wasn't a formal adoption process or anything but uh no <laughs> all right we were going to just take her back to petra in the end but she felt like she was she'd found she was on the beach so i mean we want to be on the beach right I think she's gonna have a great life on the beach. Absolutely, yeah, for sure. <laughs> That's awesome. Any other bucket list adventures like this in the future? Are you thinking of doing? I had quite a lot. Like COVID changed things quite a bit with the travel side of things, and I had a few adventures. We we did actually. Uh, there's one that was planned towards Lake Baikal in Siberia. Um, it, was really, it freezes over every winter, and uh, you run the length of it's like 600k up the lake. It's a little bit sketchier. Like there's, a, there's a higher risk of death it was just like i was not like deaf I'm, I'm not after that but i wanted like a i wanted the situations to be a bit more serious like i've done some stuff on the bike where you push yourself into some some kind of dark places but you mm. don't do that as often. there's often a support network around you in the races especially the 24s but like any even like the utmb or some of the bigger adventure races in adventurous races in mountain running you're still 
not too far from a helicopter. So like I wanted to do something a bit more adventurous. And we went out there, I mean, my wife and Nats, my wife, my, my wife, Nats and I, and uh, like camped on the ice. It's like two meter thick ice. And we like, you camped overnight, practice with the poles. And we were planning to go back. And it was just actually before Jordan, because that I was at, like a couple of people dropped out and I was, Dan was the only team member I'd left. Mm. And, uh, as much as I love Dan, I didn't want to have to carry his frozen corpse the whole length of my car because <laughs> it's not built for the cold. Um, <laughs> And now, obviously, was, uh, Russia has invaded Ukraine, so we're not going back there for an adventure anytime soon. No. Um, there are, yeah, there's loads of little trails around. There's just there's more coming up. There's some good ones in the Balkans. Um, there's some. There's one on on Greenland that I like the look of. It's only 100 miles, but kind of a bit more of an adventure. There's, there's just a lot of. I know I'm constantly looking for new ones. Like I, I like the idea of pushing into new to new limits and. Like some of the adventures are like to be done with friends, and you can you can fight if you find a soft enough record. You can have a good, you can get a record and have a, have a fight. <laughs> soft enough. <laughs> so you don't want it to be a proper holiday. It's got to be a like sort of have some pain of misery in there. Um, <laughs> so that's really kind of lit up the spirit of adventure in me for to do something a bit more out there, I suppose. But okay, like the risk of failure, I like, like an adventure. What's the, what's the phrase? An adventure without risk is no adventure at all. Like mm. you have to have the kind of the risk of it absolutely going totally wrong. Yeah. Well, you just, yeah. All that's a holiday, um, which is fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the, the competitive side of it is what keeps me coming back to the races, stuff because you can't. It's not as competitive in in the uh, in some of the longer races. Like I'd love it. Like the Tour de Jance is a really good example of a, mm. a really com- good competitive multi kind of two hundred mile plus. 330k multiple day adventure and that's on my bucket list massively but uh that combines both elements you, you have got good levels of competition and you're doing something that on its own even if you're just on your own would be an awesome adventure and challenge right well we've just scratched the surface of the things that you've achieved running wise not not even touching biking but we'd be here for hours if we went through them all so let's let's move on to your coaching how did you get into coaching Okay, yeah, that was, I've been coaching about 14, 15, no, 13, 14 years now. I started out, like I was a, a soccer coach previously, always been involved in that from quite a young age. Like I, I was coaching the junior teams and then working through and, and yeah, I've been an ultramarathon coach or ultra distance coach because I've got a couple of cyclists now. So, yeah, since around 2011, 2012, so maybe 20 yeah 2010 around then i started with like three or four people working with a company called centurion running mm-hmm. and i'm I'm now the head of endurance for centurion running which is a title i got to make up myself <laughs> stop saying because it kind of takes away from the the gravitas but uh, yeah. you're not supposed uh, to say that part <laughs> i can't help myself it's just it sounds good though doesn't it head of endurance like what is it you <laughs> um and yeah like, i started out as as i think many ultra runners and ultra coaches do as as a a runner who was supporting his running through coaching and i very i feel like i've gone full circle i'm now a coach who does enjoy running but like coaching is my profession it's it's what i kind of i do for a living and it allows me to go running and i love like competing and being competitive but i i've kind of gone too far down the old rabbit hole now and like i'm now like i did an ms a master's degree with university of sterling in performance coaching which was hugely enlightening and really kind of helped me look into how to coach and and how to develop as a coach rather than what to coach it wasn't like 
you need to do these sessions it was it was sociology and pedagogy i can't even say the word pedagogy <laughs> and, and kind of like power dynamics within coach athlete like it was all really really interesting stuff and yeah like it, i feel like it's it's calling that sounds a bit cheesy it's what i was kind of i'm it's, i'm built to do it I, like i i really really enjoy it i'm fortunate to be able to do it for a living and i i absolutely love it like i, I work with a really great range of athletes really good good people a whole bunch of good people and but my job is to help people go running yeah sounds like a dream <laughs> now as a coach how would you train someone an athlete let's say who lives at sea level like perhaps toronto <laughs> to train for the mountains like utmb like something like has utmb coming up and is struggling <laughs> with uh, vert <laughs> What would you do to, to give them some advice? <laughs> I'd ask them what it starts with where your experience is and what you've got in your background as well. Like, I, I don't know the area well enough. Like, how close are your closest hills? <laughs> we have no hills. <laughs> have you got what about and do you do what about sessions like continuous hills or Kenyan hills? Have you ever done those? There's one I had a lady training for the Triple Crown in the States doing mm. the 200 miles and she's moving to Houston, Texas. She's like, she said, There's no hills. I was like, No, there must be some hills, right? So I got on Strava and I was like, looking around like the nearest one that was more than eight meters was 300 miles i was like oh why there really aren't there weren't even <laughs> any tall buildings to use or like car parks and we had like a three meter ditch that she used to be but one of the sessions i've got with athletes that were like working in in more urban environments if they're preparing for the mountains is continuous hills or canyon hills some people know it as and you can use a 45 to 60 second have you got a 45 to 60 second hill yes oh yeah yeah and what we would do with that, we would take something like the session might be three by eight minutes to start with, three by eight minutes off two minute recovery. And for the eight minutes, you would you would maintain a, a consistent effort up and down the hill. Mm. Um, so you're kind of working. It's a threshold workout. So you're working on your fresh lactate threshold going uphill, but you're bringing it back down at the same intensity. So it's got to be a reasonably non-technical hill as well, because you need to better maintain the effort mm. downhill. You're getting some really good eccentric loading on the quads. It's mm -hmm. going to help with some of that kind of longer, um, longer descents that you haven't got access to. And it can it's a really good way to build some strength if you if you haven't got those hills around you. Um, that's what I would advise. And then using things like in the gym, like the stairmaster, getting yeah. on a treadmill, you can rack it up a little bit, and just focusing on what you can do and being good at what you've got. Like if you've got the access to more runnable stuff, well, don't worry. There's plenty of runnable stuff in UTMB. <laughs> you get from the uh, the Grand Col Ferret all the way down to Lafouli. That's your moment, right? Just be ready for that. <laughs> um, and yeah, like just kind of focus on the things that you can control. Like make sure your kit's all ready. Think about your nutrition. Stop eating cheese as a preparation because that's all they got at the checkpoints. Now they got other stuff. <laughs> but yeah, control what you can and and work on that stuff. I definitely I advise the continuous hills workout. You can and you can really mess around with them. I think I like I've started with people doing like I don't know five by five minutes and building up to like three by fifteen minutes mm. or like a thirty minute continuous hill workout. And it's it's hard. You got to pace it well. In the first couple of times, I'd only have someone doing it every every like eight ten days. Right on your kind of your, your your love for monotony but then when, as you got kind of more conditioned to it you could build that in like once a week at probably at most i wouldn't go more than that but yeah once every couple of weeks and then kind of really build on that the, the, your descending strength and the other bit so you started me now the other bit is if you've got trails um they haven't got to be long descents to work on your movement across technical ground so if you've got even just like rooty trails or anything mm -hmm. technical yep one of the big uh, problems people have at the of a, like a big mountain race like UTMB it's not it's not the 
it's not strength based the reason we kind of break get broken from going downhill it's more technique based um mm-hmm. no strength in the world is going to kind of let you smash your legs continuously after every descent and one of the things i've noticed over the years you see it in ski mountaineers you see it in cyclists is they work uphill but they it's they go fast but they recover downhill the best ski mountaineers are at the bottom of the hill having gone super fast and recovered the whole way down mm. and the people that aren't quite as good they've kept up so they look like they're the same kind of competitor but they've worked hard to be there so the one thing i try and get people to work on for something like utmb is to practice kind of flowing downhill think about your efficiency rather than your speed because if you get up to the top of the first climb and you just cruise down by the time you get to the foot of the second climb which has kind of got a bit of undulation to it and you go up to the cold the bonon right if you've smashed the downhills, you've had no recovery, and you're kind of you might be a minute behind um, the people who've smashed it. If you just take it easy, the next climb, you put two minutes in them. They come past you on the second, is the the the, the descent after that, but they're you, you are now thirty seconds behind them at the bottom. The next climb, you put ten minutes into them. Down the next one, nice and easy. You're relaxing. You're treating it. It breaks it up mentally as well. So that's I would work on just moving across difficult ground, but thinking about efficiency thinking about kind of one step after the other rather than putting the brakes on jumping side to side pick a nice line give yourself your brain the kind of practice to to see those rocks roots whatever you've got crazy paving going down the subway stairs i don't know if you have a subway but like (laughs) just think about your footwork and work on that side of things and then that lowers the impact of each of those descents and you can enjoy the uphills more all right i think i think we just found you a new coach (laughs) is it too late for uh utmb this year robbie He's got plenty of time. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's definitely good advice. I definitely yeah. will keep that in mind. I'm going to work on that. Right. If you try the continuous hills, let me know. And and beware of pacing it. Too. I've, I've done it myself the first few times like many years back, and I, I absolutely messed up the pacing and suffered for it. It's it's, it's like it's not all out effort for the three by, three by eight minutes. It's like it's our effort. For each of those eight minutes so if i come up out of the bush at the end and was like just get in it's four reps you'd be like oh i can do that rather than just crying <laughs> on the ground um, that's the effort that we're looking for well you just you definitely need to check that yeah, out yeah i'll try that that sounds amazing yeah. actually <laughs> what was your western states experience like last year with your athlete hayden hawks if you're picking up what we're laying down listen up the trails at Earl Rowe Provincial Park in Alliston have been a well-kept secret until now. We've crafted a scenic 12K loop for our rainbow trail run, featuring mostly double-track trail that will show off all of the best views this park has to offer. Join us this August for one, two, four, eight, or 14 loops. We'll leave the math up to you. Registration is now open. For more info, go to gotterunracing.com. Anyways, back to the show. Yeah, it was good. I, like, I'm going back in a in a couple of weeks now. I'm, I'm going to go a bit earlier this time. Um, it was it was really enlightening. I, it's a it's a race, obviously, as an ultra. Anyone seen? You know about it, and to think it played to my strengths in terms of the terrain. So I've always been fascinated by it, having been there and knowing how I fare in the heat. Mm. Less fascinating. I think my best chance of winning it is a, is a coach as a coach, but yeah, it was it was nice to get an insight into the like the the American trail culture around it. Kind of, it was a lot, it was a lot smaller than I was expecting. Yes, okay. I was yes. I was kind of like I was thinking, oh yeah, I'm ready for the expo. I'm going to do some. I'm going to spend some money on stuff I don't need that I can only buy in America. And I got them. It was like three, five, like ten. I was like, ah, oh, 
Where's, where's everything else? And they're like, this is it. And I was like, oh, wow, this is this is tiny compared to yep. like our local races here. You like we got we live in a tiny little town and they had like a, a, a an enduro race and the whole main street was shut. And it was kind of big like tents and everything. And it was wow. just a, nothing like every race you go to here. You're thinking like, Where, how have they afforded this off my 30 euro entry fee? And oh, <laughs> a bag of shopping to render in and a meal afterwards. And yeah, so I was I was in, I was kind of not shot but like yeah i was i was intrigued by it, it was a, a smaller scale even like along the way there was a big buzz around it but it was the global buzz was bigger than the on the ground buzz which That's was right. cool That's yes right. yeah yeah i've spent many years at the utm even the tour de jance right which is a, a 200 miler is huge in comparison like the actual and, and the, they've got three thousand volunteers and like each eight stations open for like 48 hours and it's a it's like an industrial size race which still yeah. has that community feel to it but not in the way that the western states had it was a really kind of small close-knit community and i like i quite i like that it was it felt yeah more like a a mum and pop style race well i remember at western states nobody was at the start line until a minute before the race and then they just started walking towards the start line with one minute left at western states <laughs> yeah he was really late i think he was late for registration and he was late for the start so we're like come on man <laughs> Going. <laughs> all right well let's move on to your book which you released in 2021 it's called 1001 running tips yes i had to laugh i i looked it up on amazon is that where you want people to go by the way to they can go to amazon or vertebrate publishing now if you'll bear with me for a minute because the part that i found on the amazon description really made me laugh and if our listeners haven't realize yet that you do have a great sense of humor this will definitely give them a hint so just bear with me because i want to read a little expert excerpt how to tell the type of runner that you're looking at trail runner running vest fancy cap sometimes worn backwards funky shades expect bright colors and compression socks fell runner now this is good information for north americans because we we're not as familiar with the fell and the hill running uh, phenomena that's very popular over there. So fell runner, vest and shorts handed down to them usually from a parent, shoes with one or two holes, shirt, <laughs> shirk at a race entry over $5, which I converted by the way, even if it includes a free pie. Hill running is what they call fell running in Scotland and Ireland. How to spot a hill runner? They look like a fell runner with a Scottish or Irish accent. <laughs> Mountain runner, they look like a tracker road runner with slightly more impressive calves and Skyrunner. This is my favorite. Scrape knees from falling on a pile of rocks, carbon hiking poles, and a tiny waist pack for their thin jacket to reach the summit. <laughs> so if that's not a clue as to why you need to buy this book, <laughs> I don't know what is. And there's a thousand and one of these. A thousand and one of these. So obviously, this is a book for every type of runner, whether road, road or trail or not. But I understand this was something that's been on your bucket list for a long time. And I'd like to know, you know, how and when this came up that you wanted to write a book. <laughs> uh, it's been a dream of mine since a small child. Like my, my nan, my grandmother, used, she gave us a five pound voucher for books every month. And I would like take it into the WH Smith's book. And I would like spend hours in there, like checking the start of each book and kind of if I could get two for a fiver, I'd be like, oh, this, but there's two of them. And I know. And I would stress for hours and then I'd go and sit in a corner and read my book like when I wasn't running around I was either hyperactive or or reading a book and and that hasn't really changed in the last <laughs> 36 years and right it's it, because of 
a lot of it, like the effort my nan put into to getting me to read and my mum, like it's just for my nan, especially she's, she, she loves to read as well. We, we still kind of chat about different books we're both reading and like, it meant a huge amount to me to, for her to, to know I'd written a book. Like it just, mm. it just, it fills me. Yeah. It's one of my proudest moments because it, she's kind of put all that effort into us as, as a family. So she, I suppose lots of grandmas too. They don't just, <laughs> but like, it, yeah, it, 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 it stems from the effort my mum and, and, and my nan put into to me like, as a child, kind of like with the books and with my reading. And, and they're both huge influences, for, like, I don't know, just inspirations for me. And to be able to turn around and, and I sent the first copy to my nan. My mum was like, what? Like, what? I said, like, yeah, but she got us the book tokens, mum. Like, you get older. <laughs> Don't mean to listen to the like she's like in her 80s like i got i had to write quick she never had how long she's gonna last <laughs> but um they had this idea it came from like uh, andy kirkpatrick who's a a big wall climber and he, he had a thousand one climbing tips and they wanted to do a running version ah. it, it was it like they wanted it in a style that was like my the maxim i have been writing it was good advice doesn't have to be boring like i've seen so many textbooks and stuff and it's it's like if you want to get a message across, the best way to do it is with humour, I think. It goes yeah. for anything. If you're just lecturing about a lifestyle or kind of like a, a protest, if you, if you can add some humour into it, you're more likely to get that message across and people are more receptive to it. So I took the same kind of attitude to to um, to the advice I put in the book. So like there is, yeah, even when it's being serious and like we've got, like we cover everything from your first 5K up to doing like multi-day racing and, and the UTMB and, and like all kinds of stuff in there. And in between, there's this kind of about gear. There's about a section on the menstrual cycle, which I got some help from uh, for. But uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and like nutrition, I got like a, a postgraduate, like I did a two year postgraduate diploma in sports nutrition, so like I got a decent knowledge around that. And yeah, I, I've got a great network of people that help me with different sections. So it's got it's full of. I would say this right because I wrote it, but it, it is it's got some really great advice in it. It is worth like. But you can also sit next to your toilet and just flick through a section whilst you're um, <laughs> getting rid of, yeah. It's, uh, it's kind of got that, you can enjoy it, you can pick it up. You don't. You haven't got to sit down and read the whole thing. But right. I, I promise, don't smile at least a few times on the way through. Then English isn't, yeah, don't, you're not reading English in it. You're not reading it clearly. It's, it's good. It's got some decent humor in there. Well, there's one thing I can relate to is the half-stepper. Because I have, I know someone who's the half-stepper, <laughs> which pisses me off. <laughs> and next at the end of the, our of our training run we're doing a full-on race because i'm trying to get in front of him he will not allow it are you a half stepper as well that's i'm the not worst. a half stepper two half steppers together i'm just way. making sure that he doesn't half step me but he should also be known as the corner cutter because he keeps every time we turn turn a corner he cuts me off and he knows who he is right yeah i'm not mentioning names <laughs> will <laughs> anyway well, we've ordered our copy, so we'll uh, get back to you with our, our notes on some other things that we've found humor in. But I, I do know that it is full of lots of good information, too, because the reviews on Amazon are excellent. So congratulations on that. Yeah. <laughs> it is. I had to pay those people good money to write those. <laughs> <laughs> and your book and your videos are all going to be in our show notes. Yes, that's right. Cool. So oh, people thank can you. find the links. Now let's move on. World Mountain and Trail Running Championships coming up yes. in... Austria in a very short period of time. This is only the second edition after Thailand. We were trying to get the list of athletes, but they haven't posted it to the website yet. They say, oh. Today. I, I, I made some notes. Oh, yes. yes. <laughs> Do they have <laughs> inside scoops? 
I'll send you the link afterwards so you so you've got it. Like it's one of my athletes racing, and she's like got the lists up this morning. So I was like, right, you're scribbling. Um, awesome. Yeah, they have got a list. Some cool ones. Yeah, sorry, I'll I'll let you continue. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we know there's about sixty nations represented. Uh, four distances. We're just going to go over them quickly. So we've got a vertical seven k, which is about a thousand meters. Short trail forty five k, thirty one hundred meters. Long trail eighty five k, fifty five hundred meters. The Mountain Classic, which we're confused about. Is that the up and over? <laughs> that's up and down. That's So that's a 15.5K, two loops for the seniors, and one loop, 7.5K for the juniors. Okay. okay. Interesting. Okay. And, of course, there's a there's a team event as well, which they only recognize in the – they only do that in the long and the short? No, they should be – I think there'll be team – there'll be a team score in all of those. Uh, okay. All of those team – uh, but it, it'd be free to score. Um, so some of the countries won't have enough. That, that, yeah, you've got to have free to score. So if you're going in with only three athletes and someone has a bad day, then you're in trouble. That's why the six can, you can name six as your scoring members. You can actually field, I think, eight or nine if you mm. wish. But you before the race, you have to say, well, those six are the ones that we're going to, we think are going to do best. They're our scorers. Right. So even if the ninth one does finish first, he doesn't score for the team. And then the three, they, for most of them, it's combined time. Um, it might be positions. It might be numbered positions for the for the mountain classics, and then combined times for the long and the short trail. Okay. 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 Mm. Well, we're getting excited about it because, of course, we have a pretty good Canadian team this year, and we've just spoken to one of your buddies, Galen Reynolds, who's yeah. going to be doing the long. Um, so, how many athletes do you have competing, Robbie? I just one. Just one. Uh, one of my ladies, Julia Davis, has got a first. First vest for Great Britain, which has been really, really cool. And she's in the long. Um, and her sister Elsie is in the short. It's quite cool. There's, there's a good guy out there. So, yeah, I've got one athlete competing, which I'm very happy about. Um, I'm sure normally you are. My athletes that run for the country are on the on the road side of things. So, we're, yeah, it's good to be making him. Julia works really hard. She's a new mum. Mm-hmm. Like her son Woody's only 18 months old. And she's like come back really well and really sensibly for, from, from pregnancy. And it's been really nice to see her kind of achieve a long-term goal and after such a like a big change in life as well so it's, it's been really good to to work with her for that so I'm, I'm excited we did chat with a few of our athletes and they've never been on a team dynamic sport mm. before so that's is going to be uh, an interesting how they play it if you're encouraging people to get their best individual results in the hope that that gives you the best team result it's one way to do it right and, and people you can have a whole bunch of individuals that do fantastically or you have a, like a yeah a a slightly less like you don't if you don't have that star name at the start, if you're not expecting to have someone first, second, third, but you think you can have sixth, eighth, and eleventh, and that's that's that could be a, a team that wins it. And that's the thing because like if 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 you haven't got that kind of someone who's going to be way out in the front, then I think yeah. that's the way to it's the kind of try. I and mean, I would encourage it. Like I'd love it. Like we had it at the 24 hours. So the 24 hour Europeans last year, at one point five of our men were running together, and two of them ran together. And ran 265k. They ran together for about 18 hours, and they worked together. They kind of they kept mm. each other going. And for me, it was really special because that's what I love about 24-hour running because it always has low moments. Mm-hmm. But if you're in a team environment, it's a, like you get your best when you work together, and you have kind of a better reason. And if you're just on your own and you're just like a solo warrior, then that does work for some people. Some people don't do well, don't play nice with others. No, it's yeah. true. Interesting. They still have low points, and it can be a small extra motivator for them. Oh, I want two medals instead of one. Well, that medal I wanted is gone, but there's a chance I can get an extra medal if I just keep going. Maybe I will. 
<laughs> what country are you looking forward to seeing that you it's not going to be the maybe the top 10 top five but you really want to see this country come through i so like a bit of bias i do like the italian team is always really strong and like we race every race you do here and no matter what time a tiny little middle of nowhere race someone turns up that was in their international team so it feels like we know them because we see them disappear uh, <laughs> after races uh, ricardo borghiali who's one of the guys in the in the long race he was at, i was i was doing a relay and he was he was doing he was in the relay race and he that we were second to borghiali's team but he absolutely disappeared from the whole field at the start and it was like ah, pretty cool so I, I like to see the italians do well they often work well together i was looking at the start list and it was actually going down to the the um the 40k the short the the swiss team men's and women's look like they could be a real outsider so like mm -hmm. i'm looking for because they've got some really they've got like uh got some of the names here but stefan wenk is one of their guys and a few of the others that, that people might, might not be household names in the world of ultra running and trail running but they've got a really strong team. If they, if three of those men, their men's and women's teams, they've got um, Teresa and Francois Leboeuf, who've come from some of the shorter mountain runnings. And if they do really well, I'd quite like to see that as like it's a smaller country in terms of, like, especially sponsorship in the sport. But they've yeah. got a strong team there. And other than that, the, the Swedish women team, they've got like um, uh, Emily Forsberg is in there with Nice. Oh, okay. And a couple others, I probably mispronounced the names this, uh, there. But I, again. And they come across, they do a lot of the schemo stuff together as well. It comes across as a really nice, close-knit group of people who like running together. It's like, mm -hmm. I'd like to see like, I'd like to see teams do well. There's a 208 marathoner from, from Kenya in the foot in the short Whew. back in 2011. I can't find much more information on him. And there's one Kenyan athlete in the, uh, in the long as well. And again, oh, like, really? Oh, really? Yeah, not much information on, what's his name? I've got it written down here. Whew. No, I just wrote one Kenyan athlete. I forgot <laughs> his name. I found only one, one, uh, not even a result. He was on a start line for a race in Brisbane, and uh, and then I couldn't find a result for him. So I don't know how well that went. <laughs> but yeah, so like the the US team have got some, like the, the women's team are like a really strong with uh, Emily Sch Schmitz and Claire Gallagher, and then you've got Jim and Zach in the in the men's yep, American yep. team. Really great. If they used to have a great day. You still need that third place kicker. Um, someone like Eric Puma, I think I raced at Broken Arrow last year. Race is really, like, really, really smart, like a really smart racer. So it'd be quite good to see. But equally, I would be lying if I wouldn't say, like, I'd, I'd love to see the Americans come unstuck on the more technical European. <laughs> like, yes, there's a little bit of continental bias there. I think <laughs> the French, the French, the Spanish, and the Italians are normally some of the strongest teams out there. They've just got such depth. Yeah. Like, yeah. maybe their top guys are just behind or on a par with the likes of Jim and, and, and Zach and, and their women as well, actually, to be fair. Like, like the French women's team has got Manon Bohard, Audrey Tangoy, Jocelyn Pauly, Blandine Laurendale, and they're all fantastic athletes that would yeah. any other race. And it's nice to see that level of athlete in a world championships. Like, a few years back, you weren't getting a lot too many of the big names. That's and right. France, Italy and Spain... They've got such depth that if the tenth, the tenth best, I think it might have been one in Annecy, where like nine of the French team, because they had their like non-scorers, were in the top fourteen or something horrendous. Because yeah. they've just got such depth, so like it's cool, especially in that more technical environment. Um, it's yeah, it's a war of attrition. So like every downhill, it just takes it a little bit more out. But again, I'd like to see Jim because doing well because he's, he's he's putting his heart and soul into it yes. he's, he's kind of really invested in it so yeah. as an athlete you can really appreciate that like if someone's willing to put the time in then you're going to cheer them on a bit
Yeah, exactly. It would be interesting if everyone in the Golden Trail series just pops over to the worlds. Just you know, just pop them over. <laughs> right? We got too many world champ. We got like what, the Sky <laughs> World Championships. We've got the Golden Trail series. We've got. We used to have the mountain running and the trail running, but like they've combined them to have a hundred different races in one weekend. Like we've got. Yeah, we've got all our, all our 100K, 50K, like, all, like every other championships going on. We've got <laughs> the same week, same month, like just after you've got Western States, which is too close. You've got Lavaredo. Like there's just big events all over the place. It is nice to, and I think the more we, the more prestige it gets, the more people will come year on year. I know yeah. some sponsors aren't as keen on it because the, the athletes aren't wearing their sponsored kit. They're wearing mm. their national. Um, yeah. So it's like, it's nice. I don't know. I think it's. I think it can keep growing, get momentum. It needs big names to jump in. Yeah. Once they do the next year, more big names jump in. And for me, it's always been a huge, a huge honor to run for my country, and like whatever the the distance. And like, it's nice to see that mattering to other people rather than it just being an additional thing. Like to actually to line up to run for your country and to to be part of a team is is a different part of our sport. But I think it can add a lot of value. I think uh, hopefully too there'll be more spectators this year because based on what we saw on youtube from thailand it didn't seem like there was that many so hopefully there'll be more spectators through innsbruck and austria i think depending on where the course is one of the things that, like i was chatting to someone earlier about the difference of some of these the, the kind of mountain races here is that, that you go through mountain uh, villages and mountain kind of communities that are really proud of, of being a mountain community and it's different in the uk like a lot of our bigger races the people that live on the trail or live in that land aren't too keen on people running through it. Whereas here, and the Tour de Johnson is a great example of this, they are super proud you've come to run in their little town. They're like, well, you're here. Well, we're so glad you're here. And I think hopefully <laughs> a bit more of that. Well, we've taken up a lot of your time, but we want to ask, have you ever been to, or do you have any, any uh, desire to come and do a race or a trail FKT here in Canada? You've got some wonderful geography, haven't you? Like, like scary size geography. Yeah. When I was a little kid, my next door neighbour had a cousin in Toronto, cousin or sister-in-law. Um, so he, he bought me like a Toronto blue box kind of a uh, cap. Oh, I think nice. So like, yeah, that, I've, I've always wanted. I've never visited. No, I have never visited. I would like to actually. I guess it's just on. It's just you've got such a big expanse of country up. <laughs> Where would you go and how much could you kind of explore in one go without getting eaten by some of the wildlife? <laughs> um, but yeah, it is on the list. Not not any. Would you recommend any particular? I'm not coming for a 1K loop, though. Just no offence. Like, <laughs> I travelled to Europe once to run around a 24-hour track and that was a terrible idea. Like, I don't know, I don't know why I did that. But yeah, what what are the best races for you guys out there? Well, out in Canada? Have you heard of any of our races? Do you know of any of the names of our races in Canada? I see that this is where I worry that I'll say one that's somewhere in, in America or something. Is it is Squamish? Is that one? That's yes, that? Squamish. That's Gary Robbins race. I'm not doing it anymore. Um, <laughs> uh, what ones have I heard of? There are more I've heard of, but I'm not going to risk it. I that's can't all right. Risk it. That's all right. Well, go to Squamish then. Yeah. You, you know it. Yeah. You know the name of it. Now you're going to go visit it. You would you would appreciate that because it's definitely mountain running. <laughs> this is it. Uh, like, I like. I really enjoyed Broken Arrow last year in California, and it like, it wasn't sky running. In this, it was more trail running than sky running for me. Like mm. when you do sky running here, for a large part of the the race, I'm in fear of my life. The, the others aren't, but I am. I'm kind of like if I fall, I don't want to run this quickly. I want to take my time and and get at least nine points of contact on this rock <laughs> as I go past. It's like Broken Arrow it was nice. It was kind of like more runnable. I felt I felt I didn't feel like I was going to die at any point apart from the lack of oxygen. 
Uh, well, we do have a sky running event here in Canada as well called Meet the Minotaur. So in Alberta, we got it all. And and it does look like those videos where the, the edge of the cliff is here. So <laughs> put your blinders on. Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> My wife is a load better at that stuff. Natalie's been running in the fells since she was like eight, nine years old. And she's like run the mountains all her life. I'm from London. We don't have any ridges in London. I'm just about all right with the UTMB and stuff. I'm getting there. <laughs> uh, so I, I think it's the I, the the I love the trails, but they don't love me as much. Mm. The road loves me, and it's <laughs> it's kind of keeps me in its grasp for years on end. But I, I do love the trails, so I will keep yeah keep going at them. Well, you can always come and do one of our marathons. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> All right, we've kept you for a long time. We really appreciate your time. But one quick thing that we always do to finish our podcast is a little rapid fire, okay? Okay. If you're ready. Uh, what's the last concert you went to? Oh, no. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, oh, blimey. Bowling for Soup? That's like 15 years ago. Oh, wow. <laughs> Not a big concert guy. <laughs> No, I just I, I sit at home and go running, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, been, oh blimey, yeah, that's a good question because it's been a very long time. Okay. I do like music, but not that often to go to them. Cannoli or tiramisu? Cannoli. What do you miss food wise from Britain that you can't get in Italy? Fish and chips. Oh yeah, yeah. I can see that. I can see that too. <laughs> There's lots of good food. I, I really I love eating in britain because there's a lot of options a lot of variety it's a real melting pot for loads of different stuff like italian food if i could only eat one type of food ever it would be italian but if only one place one city it would probably be london because it's just got everything that's the same as toronto it's very multicultural and you can pretty much get any cuisine in the world which yep. you don't realize that until you venture out and see that a lot of places are not like that like I know Italy was kind of the same for us. It was, but without, not that I'm complaining. <laughs> if you don't like Italian food, then Italy is not a great place to go. But if you like Italian, there's so much pride in the food here. Like yes. even in like the smallest service station, the food is of a high quality. And like, I absolutely love some of it. Like this, down in Sicily, like the bikepacking is great because you, you have to eat everything you find. Like it's just part of the game. Yeah. And you get down to the south and it's the kind of, like, there's just everything. There's these arancini, which is like these kind of big fried rice oh, balls. Yeah. Could you see those for days? And and because I'm on a bicycle cycling 1500 kilometers, you have to. It's the rules. Yeah, um, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Favorite Italian curse word? <laughs> oh, was it check out? So it's like, <laughs> I, I like with, with the hands. More of an action. My, <laughs> my language, like, I'm at the point now where they don't, they no longer look at me like I'm English because my accent, my dodgy accents are good enough that they just think I'm a bit fit. Um, <laughs> it's like, yeah, where are your parents <laughs> would you rather be a professional writer painter or musician writer a writer yeah. oh. that's yeah, an obvious enough. one i'm not going to retire from writing, but i do love it yeah he is he did it <laughs> all right last question norm well a couple of questions we know your king has just been crowned in england do you know the name of our king in canada <laughs> is it is it the same as our one <laughs> yes. Carlo. That was a trick it's question. Carlo right here. It's Carlo. I prefer it's Carlo. <laughs> we are still part of the Commonwealth. <laughs> so yes, that was a trick question. <laughs> okay, last question. 
pick a superpower you'd like to have. Oh, it's just such a difficult question. I would like to extend my life just forever. Immortality. 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 Yeah, immortality. I'll choose that as a superpower. But at this age? Ah, yeah, that's just now. Just I love <laughs> what I'm doing, and I could keep doing it, and and I don't really need to change much. So, if I was invisible, it, it'd help. Like if you wanted to cheat, I suppose. If I was faster, <laughs> just wouldn't fair. Like if I had super speed. Yeah. Um, so just being able to be around forever. I quite like just doing stuff and I could do some really long-term projects, isn't it? And just help people be all right. Very good. Good answer. Good answer. Well, thank you so much, Robbie. It's really been a pleasure to get to know you and we wish your athlete luck next week. You much. wish your team luck. And your team. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be watching. Well, I hope has a good race. I hope there's some good carnage, but I hope there's some people, as someone who's had a breakout performance in a world champs, I hope there's some people who, who've trained well, who've really kind of like dedicated some, themselves to the event and they, they kind of do better than they expect. That's what you want out of these events. No one wants the failures to win. No, no, exactly. And when you want to come to Canada, look us up. Yes. <laughs> we'll help you yeah. out. <laughs> definitely, definitely. I'll have to find a Canadian race that I could, more than one that I can name. That and the Toronto Waterfront Marathon. That's the only two, I think. I can remember. <laughs> well, you got them both right. <laughs> All, All right. right. Cheers. Thank everyone. you. Cheers. Thanks so much. <laughs> All right. Well, that was Robbie Britton. From Britain. <laughs> <laughs> Never gets old. That was a lot to digest. We could have chatted with him for longer, but uh, let's break it down. <laughs> <laughs> His video, The Lost Dogs and Englishmen, very inspiring. Yes, definitely take a peek at that. It's on his website under the Adventures tab. You cannot get it on YouTube. It's 30 minutes and it's a yeah, well done video. Yeah. I'd love to have a a film crew following <laughs> one of our adventures. And just see me fall all the time. <laughs> Actually, in his, that video, he, he does fall quite a bit. So it's very funny. <laughs> and I also think... Uh, he sounds like a pretty amazing coach. I hey, love the advice he gave you. Sure. I'll take it. Yeah, well, you'll <laughs> take it, but you better do it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'll try it. I'll try it. I'll probably be, it'll probably be harder than I think it is. Oh, it sounds hard. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But useful, for sure. Yes. I'm looking forward to, I'm sure we'll be connecting with him during the championship week to compare notes on the results. Yep, he, he obviously knows all the athletes over there. He obviously lives there. And it's, Austria is in his backyard of Italy. <laughs> so that's yeah, good. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. And of course, he is the new British record holder in a 24-hour with running over 277 kilometers continuously. Unbelievable. In a 1K-ish loop, which is... Mentally tough to do. <laughs> Definitely. And I, I think he'll hold that record for a while. Well, it held it up. It took this long. <laughs> it took 41 years to finally for him to beat it. And I'm sure many people tried. Yes. Yeah, yeah many people have tried. So it's, right. a, it's not easy to uh, to take. All right. Until next time. We are your hosts, Jody and Norman. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. 
Please visit our website, gotterunracing.com, for more details and join us on social media at Racing on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can support our channel by joining us on Patreon. All of the links can be found in the show notes. Thanks for listening and see you next time. Cheers.